For this week, we, we're continuing in our series, Becoming Us. This is about us becoming the church that we're supposed to be. And we're looking at Paul's letters to the Corinthian church. The Corinthians uh, lived in an ancient city called Corinth. It was known for being sexual and moral. It was known for having a lot of like religious diversity of people of different kinds. It was known for corruption. And Paul wanted this church, who was heavily, heavily influenced, by the culture around them, he wanted them to become everything that God created them to be. And through this series, we've talked about how this church had issues of infighting and immorality, and Paul was really trying to establish them as a healthy body. And we've talked about how a healthy church, a healthy body, is just a group of people, just like you and me, who are healthy and who are unified in the pursuit of Jesus Christ. We've been talking through the series and about the, all these topics that, that he's addressed and his instructions. Uh, we talked about last week his instructions about how we should lead the life that God has assigned to us. You don't have to be, you know, you might look at someone else, you might think, man, I, I, I really want what they have, I really want what they, they do, but God hasn't given you the grace to live their life. God has given you the grace to live your life, so live the life that God has assigned to you. Don't compare your calling or your circumstances to other people, because God has given you the grace for your own life. Today, we're going to be in chapter 8, and we're going to kind of span through chapter 10, so if you've got your Bibles, you can turn to that, and today's message is called The Limitation the limitation of love. The limitation of love. I remember when I was in ninth grade, I was in Miss Lee's geometry class. How many of you guys have ever had a geometry class in your life, right? Geometry. You're in one right now? Bless you, right? <laughs> She's in one right now. And so I was in Miss Lee's geometry class, and I'm not sure if Miss Lee liked us too much. Um, and, you know, that's, that's fine. And I don't know if she liked me too much because really, we, we really weren't that interested in geometry as ninth graders. Like, it was just like, hey, dude, why am I learning this? What is going on right now? Why am I doing this? Why is it that, that she's teaching me this? I, I, I don't really know what's going on. Why, why are we doing this? Why do I need this in my life? When am I ever going to use this in my real life? Are you asking that questions right now? Good. You know, you, why am I doing this? And what I was asking really was, why is the topic of geometry beneficial or relevant to me? 15 years later, I was at a church, I was on staff, and we were constructing a stage in this kids' room, this youth room, right? And we were buying material, and we needed to know the stage was in the corner of the room, so like this, and the stage was kind of triangle-shaped like this, and we needed to know how much material we needed to buy for the front face of the stage, and so I learned, uh, I'm, we're thinking, we're like, our tape measure is not long enough to measure that. And every time we measure it, we get different results or whatever. But we could measure the side, the corner of the stage all the way out, and then the corner of the room all the way out this way. And we could do that. And so what I said was, I was like, wait a second. A squared plus B squared equals C squared. That's called the Pythagorean theorem. And I was able to, with accuracy, measure the length of the face of the stage. I used Miss Lee's geometry in real life, right? I did that in real life. Thank you, Miss Lee. And in 2020, some of us, we look at this book that was written a millennia ago, talking about topics that we don't think have anything to do with us today. And we look at it and we're like, how is this beneficial and relevant to me? 
How is this beneficial? Sometimes the illustrations and the examples that, we use, that he uses, and he's speaking to circumstances that you and I feel like we don't face this in life. We don't go through these things. We have no context for this. But instead of thinking that it has nothing to say to us, like I did during Miss Lee's geometry class, what we need to do is we need to take the principle of what he's saying, and we need to see how it applies to our lives. We'll find out that it actually has a lot to say about us in real life. And 1 Corinthians 8 is a prime example of this. 1 Corinthians 8 is a prime example of this. What Paul is talking about in 1 Corinthians 8 is there was a disagreement in the church about eating food that was sacrificed to idols. And so the pagans would come in and they would, sac- they, would, they would do these big sacrifices, meat, grains, and things like that. And they would sacrifice this in their temples. And they would really only use like the blood and guts. Ew, gross, right? They would only use that point. But then they would take the meat and they would sell it in the marketplace. They would have banquets and things like that where people could come and eat. And they would do this. And some Christians of that time strictly forbid eating this. You cannot touch this. Because of what it came from. It was, it was done in a pagan uh, thing, and you cannot touch this. In Acts chapter 15, verse 29, the, the leaders of the church in Jerusalem, think about this as like Christianity HQ of the day, discouraged this practice. They're like, guys, do not do this. This group had a high view of holiness. The people who said, you know, they, they have conviction, they said, don't do this. They sought to limit their exposure to things of the world that were outside of, of what they thought was God because they loved God and they didn't want to bring those things into their practices of daily life. But many in this church thought that this really wasn't a big deal for two reasons. The first reason is that they believed that there was only one God. And so all these other people, they're sacrificing the idols, they're doing whatever. There's only one God, so who cares? Who cares what they're doing? The meat's meat, it's fine, it's whatever. There's only one God, and so all this stuff is just in other people's imagination and it doesn't really exist, so why are we worried about it? The second thing is Jesus said in Matthew 15, 11, and a lot of people quoted this, that it's not what goes into a man's mouth that defiles, the, the, the defiles a person. It's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the, their mouth that defiles a person. And so you you see this big argument, this big disagreement between people who thought that they should live by holiness and these other people who thought that they should have freedom. Holiness and freedom. And, And there's this group, this other group had a high view of freedom. They believed that God was ultimately over all and therefore everything can be uh redeemed by him. So who is right? Who's right? Who's right in this situation? And this is where Paul speaks to them. And I'm going to bring this around and we're going to see how it applies to us today. It's going to be great. Here we go. Ready? Now, 1 Corinthians 8, verse 1. Now, concerning food offered to idols, we know that all of us possess knowledge. We all have reasons of what he's saying. We all have reasons for holding the convictions that we do. This, This is like the knowledge that he's referring to. But then he says this. He says, this Knowledge, puts in parentheses, puffs up, but love builds up. If anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not yet know as he ought to know. Like if you think you know everything, you got it all figured out, you know everything better than everybody else, you don't know what you ought to know yet. But if anyone loves God, he is known by God. 
So knowledge of God, being known by God is not based on what you know. It's not based on your conviction. It's based on you loving God. Verse 9, he says this, But take care that is, your, that is this right of yours, the right that you have, does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. For if anyone sees you who have knowledge eating in an idol's temple, will he not be encouraged, if his conscience is weak, to eat uh, food offered to idols? So, by your knowledge, this weak person is destroyed. The brother, whom, uh, the brother, this brother who he's talking about, for whom Christ died, thus sinning against your own brothers and wounding their conscience when it is weak, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat. And my 10-year-old says, hallelujah, she's a vegetarian. I will never eat meat lest I make my brother stumble. Instead of saying this side was right and this side was wrong and here's all the reasons why like the list of things that, that, that this side is wrong about or the list of things that this side is right about, Paul takes a completely different approach. He says, he, he, he kind of differentiates that this is not an area of sin, guys. This is an area of conviction. Sin is things that God explicitly forbids. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not commit adultery, and so on. A couple of weeks ago, we looked at the, uh, where the Bible tells us that if we confess our sin, that means we, we call things sin that are sin. We say what God says about them. And when we do that, that we can be cleansed and forgiven and healed when we confess our sin. Conviction, though, having a conviction, having a personal conviction is a whole nother thing. It's a whole nother level. It's a firmly held opinion. A limitation that helps me be more of who I want to be on top of my avoidance of sin. Some people today hold a conviction like the, for example, some people would hold a conviction that they would only listen to Christian music, right? They would only listen to Christian music. That would be the only music, the Christian radio, worship music, that sort of thing. That's their conviction. And that's fine. I mean, is it, a, is it though a sin to listen to Coldplay? No, not really. It's not really a sin to do that. But if you hold the conviction that, that you only listen to Christian music, they have a knowledge of themselves that, in, that that type of music is what benefits them spiritually. So we understand now the, the difference between holding a conviction and having a view of sin, right? There's a difference. There's a, I, I have a conviction and, and I have this view of wanting to stay away from sin. The, the conviction is like over and above. I, I, need to, I need to do this for me. I need to do this for me. This is for me. This is my area of conviction. Some people think that... Um, I'm really not going too deep into the subject, and so if you kind of get weird, that's okay. Um, some people think that owning a gun is a constitutional right. Some people are like, dude, I don't want guns anywhere near my house, right? It's conviction. This is a conviction that people have. And when Paul addresses our convictions, rather than getting into the mix and deciding between which convictions we should have and which convictions we shouldn't have, he says this. He says that both of you are brothers and sisters. Both of you are brothers and sisters. Do everything you can to build each other up. And so if your brother or your sister has a conviction, whatever that conviction is, 
It may be that it may be dealing with the music, maybe with the, 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 the movies that they watch. It may be with what they eat, what they drink, maybe whatever. Whatever the conviction is, do everything you can to build up each other and not cause each other to stumble. Is this relevant to us today? Is Miss Lee's geometry class fitting into what we think today? Because so many people think that, well, I've, I'm doing this and this and this and this. And so many people think, I've got the freedom to do whatever I want to do. But the Bible and what, Peter's, or what Paul is teaching us is that do everything you can to build up one another and not cause them to stumble. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 12, Paul says this, All things are lawful to me. And he actually repeats this later, and I, I want to note that. He's repeating this phrase over and over again in, in, to this letter. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Chapter 9, verse 12. If others share this rightful claim on you, do not we even more. Nevertheless, we have... um, not made us made use of this right i don't make use of my rights but endure anything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of christ verse 19 he says this in in chapter 9 for though i am free from all i have made myself a servant to all that i might win more of them to the Jews, I become a Jew in order to win Jews. To, uh, to those under the law, I become as one under the law, though I'm not myself under the law, uh, that I might win those under the law. To those who are outside the law, I am become like outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those who are outside the law. To those who are weak, I become weak, so I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that in all things I might save some. I will do whatever I can. I will limit my freedoms. I will limit my judgment of other people. I will limit everything that I can so that I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessing. So many of us, we want to dig into our opinions. So many of us, we want to dig into our views that, that, that are on top of what the Bible teaches It's conviction. It's the difference between conviction and sin. We want to dig in. And if people disagree with our opinions, we want to come against them. We want to prove them with our knowledge that we are right and they are wrong. That is not what Paul teaches us. Paul teaches us that the gospel is more important than anything. That my opinions are not worth the eternity of someone else. Are any of my opinions worth someone else's eternity. I can do and say whatever I want. I can drink whatever I want. I can eat whatever I want. I can watch whatever I want. I can listen to whatever I want. I can support whatever I want. But Paul says, sure you can do that, but consider the cost of that. Consider the cost of that. Our culture has elevated individualism. The most important thing that they teach you in movies, in music, in school, the most important thing that they teach you is that you need to be true to yourself. Is that what Paul is saying right here, though? No. 
What he's saying is that we have to be true to the gospel. And if I need to take some of my opinions and be a little less opinionated about them, then I need to do that. I need to be a little less opinionated. I need to be a little less uh, judgmental. I need to be a little less uh, focused on these little things that trip people up. I need, to, I need to focus on what do I need to do to see someone come to Christ. The most important thing that you can do is be a servant of the gospel. The most important thing that you can do is be a servant of the gospel. If you're going to make a point today, make a point to do that. If you're going to make a point today, if you're going to if you're going to say, you know, this is the hill I'm going to die on. This is the thing that I'm going to be right on. This is the thing. This is where I want to be right. And, and if everything else is wrong, I'm going to be right on this. If that's the point that you're going to make today, make it about the gospel. Paul delivers us this concept that loving my brothers and sisters carries with it a limitation of my own rights. I have rights to do stuff. I have rights to have opinions. I have rights to do other things. I can do this. I can say this. I can do this. But I'm going to limit those rights so that I can see people come to Christ. I intentionally limit myself so that I can help weaker people not stumble. What is something that you've allowed yourself to do that love should limit? Think about that. What is something that you've allowed yourself to do in life? You've made an allowance for it. You're like, hey, it's okay if I do this. I'm, I'm free to do this. But then you think about the relationships that you have. You think about the people that are in your life. You think about the people that are around you and the, the people that, hey, if I, if I act like this, it might actually cause someone to stumble. If I do this, it might actually cause someone to, to be this way. If I, do th- if I really do this, like I'm actually creating harm in someone else's life. What is it? that you've allowed yourself to do that love should limit. I've, uh, I'm allowed in my own house. I live, I'm a dad. I have four daughters. That means in my house there are five women. Four women now that, uh, that one is off to college, right? I'm allowed to leave the toilet seat up. I can. I can do that. I have freedom to do that, Right? I have freedom to do that, and I'm the only man, and so you guys should just deal with this because I have the right to do this. Is that loving at 2 o'clock in the morning? No. It's not, right? I limit my freedom. I limit my freedom to serve other people. If you have a high view of holiness, let's say you have many, many, many convictions Love, not knowledge, love will drive you to limit your judgment of other people. If you have many, many convictions and you're like, man, I, I don't think I should do this and I don't think I should do this and I think I should do this and I don't think I should do this, and the list goes on and on and on and on. Love that you have for other people will limit your judgment of other people that don't have those convictions. Luke 6, verse 37 through 38 says this, Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down. Sometimes you, you, you might have heard a pastor preach this about giving uh, tithes and offerings and money to the church. That has nothing to do with what he's talking about here. Give, and it will be given to you. Pressed down, shaken together, running over. Whatever measure you use will be measured back into your lap. What is he talking about here? He's talking about judgment, forgiveness, condemnation, love. 
grace. That's what he's talking about. And so if you have a high view of holiness, a high view of holiness with many, many convictions, the challenge is that we don't go around just judging people just all the time. Just don't do it, right? I'm going to love them and realize that the Spirit is working on them just like the Spirit is working on me. However, if you have a high view of freedom, I can do this. I can, I can do this. I can go to this place. I can say this. I can drink this. I can do whatever. Uh, if you have a high view of freedom, love will drive you to limit your permissiveness. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23, or chapter 10, verse 23 through uh, chapter 11, verse 1, I just want to read this whole entire section. Aaron, you can come back up, man. Um, I want to read this entire section because I feel it just so wraps up this point that Paul is making. He repeats this statement. All things are lawful, but not all things are beneficial. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. Eat whatever is sold in the meat market without raising any question on the ground of conscience. Just do whatever you need to do. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If, if one of the unbelievers invites you to dinner and you're disposed to go uh, eat whatever is set before you without raising any questions on the ground of conscience, do whatever you need to do. But if someone says this has been offered in sacrifice, don't eat it. For the sake of the one who informs you, for the sake of one who bought it up, for the sake of conscience... I do not mean your conscience, but his. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Give no offense to a Jew or to the Greeks or to the church of God. Just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that many, that of the many, that they may be saved. And then he actually starts chapter 11 with this, but you got to remember he's writing a letter that he didn't write chapters and verses. He's writing a letter and he tells them, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Do what I'm doing as I am of Christ. What Paul is saying is that love is unlimited. Love is unlimited. The psalm says this in Psalms 103, verse 11, for as high as the heavens above, so great is the steadfast love to those who fear him. Love is unlimited. It has no limits, but love creates limits. Love has no limits, but love creates limits. The two questions that I want you to think about today before you leave is this. Number one, what is something that you've allowed yourself to do that love should limit? What is something that you've allowed yourself to do that love should limit? What is something that you're causing, when you do it, it causes someone else to stumble, it causes someone else to fail, it causes someone else to kind of have like a, a conscience check and it just kind of weirds them out for a second. What is something that you're doing that causes someone else to stumble? What is something that you're allowing yourself that love should limit. And the second thing is what is have you allowed areas of conviction, rules that you've set for yourself, have you allowed areas of conviction to become areas of judgment? What side are you on here? Are you on the high freedom side 
or you're on the high conviction side. Paul says that it's knowledge, this knowledge that we have, this knowledge that wants to crush other people, this knowledge that wants to win the Facebook argument, this knowledge that wants to, 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 to be right and other people be wrong. This knowledge is not what's drawing us closer to God. Let love lead.